yeah. Well, get ready to receive, okay? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to bring our guest up here in a minute, but let me give you a little, a little intro, okay? Susie Tricky, such a gift. So glad to have you here, Susie. Um, uh, you know, Susie um, really is a, a, a pretty sought-after itinerant minister, not super well-known maybe in these parts, but um, I, I don't know if you can... Uh, grasp the level of gratitude I have for the gift that she is and the level of honor that I really have in my heart, but she is a woman of faith. Um, you know, uh, she was, I had the privilege of having her as one of my uh, revival group students in BSSM, was it four years ago? 2014-15, right, that year. And um, was it 14-15? Yeah. And uh, so she hails from the land of South Africa. Yay, God. If you're a rugby fan, they just won the trophy, the, the spring box. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's epic, right? And there's a whole bunch of people on the team that are like, yeah, there's people giving glory to Jesus. And it's amazing. Unity's happening in South Africa. And, um, but not only in South Africa, but in Central Africa, in Europe, and in India, um, basically, uh, Susie w- is going wherever the Lord is leading her. And, you know, I watched her do something as, as people who follow the Lord, people of faith. You know, at the end of her time during the school of ministry, um, she was offered a couple of, a couple of positions there in, uh, in, in, on the team. And, um, at the church there and they were great opportunities um they you know i I didn't have a word from the lord but i was like susie we need you around here please take one of these knowing in my heart that maybe god had another idea and um and he did and uh and i i truly think that god would have honored whatever choice she made but she took the choice going you know on tom's word this morning of a faith walk one that involves some risk. And she knew that God was calling her into India. And here was the thing. No open doors and no money to go. But here's, here's, here's a, a, a woman of faith who said, this is a place where I could really thrive and there's a salary and there's money. But I feel God is calling me to go to India and into the nations and I'm like, whoa, where are you going to go? How's it going to work? I don't know, but I feel God is calling me. And so she graciously said no to these opportunities. And, you know, God backed her up. And we saw that it was the Lord. He opened doors. He provided the money. There are many testimonies. I'm not sure what she's going to share this morning. I just asked her to be herself. Um, you know, when I think about Susie and how it's good to know how to receive, you know what I mean, from somebody. And... Um, and uh, some people that we know and love, I've heard that the way they introduced her was, um, how do we describe Susie? You know, and they said, I don't know. She, she kind of has an apostolic way of thinking, an incredibly prophetic spirit. Um, but I'd say the thing that divine, defines Susie the most truly is her love for Jesus and um, her absolute desire for him. 
and that he gets everything that he paid for. But she loves the nations. You could probably call her a missionary. You could call her a prophetic woman. You could call her lots of things, but she loves Jesus. And I believe she has a deposit uh, for us in this house today. So you guys ready to receive? Would it be okay if God does whatever he wants today? Would that be all right? Just whatever God wants? Okay. All right. Susie, come on up. Let's welcome Susie. Awesome. Thank you, Brandon. I still regard him as a pastor in my life and a leader. And and I'm, I'm so grateful for Brandon and Amy's lives and what they have deposited into so many people. And I know that I came to California and to Reading specifically because God really wanted me there against my will. Anyone know what it's like to to do something that you don't always want to do, but it's God? <laughs> That's me. And Brandon was incredible because he was the one that heard the Lord and was able to speak to me at a place where I was questioning, is this God? Because it was so different and so left field. So I honor you, Brandon. And then he passed me for a year and it was transformational and so much of what I am today and where I'm going is because this man hears God. And we have been in touch intermittently over the last couple of years. And I've so appreciated his love and faith in my life as a leader. So you can be assured that Brandon and Amy hear God. They hear God. They hear God. It is wonderful to follow a couple that hear the Lord and that are obedient with that. So I'm just going to move this back slightly. Oh, can I do that? Sorry. Just because I like to be a little bit closer. I feel like you guys are far. (laughs) So yes, I am from South Africa. And I have to tell you that I was so homesick yesterday. I was desperately homesick. And I'm still a little bit homesick today. So you're going to need to help me and be family and really make me feel welcome. Because I am missing out on the most amazing history that is happening back home. Now, all I know is the closest um, maybe example of what it's like for South Africa to, re- to win the Rugby World Cup is maybe the underdogs of Washington winning the world champs in baseball. Did anyone watch that? I watched some of that and I thought, yes, to the underdogs. Because South Africa, we were most definitely the underdogs in the Rugby World Cup. And we beat England, which we were so happy about. And I missed it. I missed all the joy and the glory of the victory. But you know what I missed out on is that our nation, as you probably have heard, has been through so much over the years. A lot of racial segregation. And it destroyed the foundation of our land, of our infrastructure, of people's hearts. And it's taken many, many years for us to get to a point where there is a recognition that the damage of segregation and disunity um, can now be overturned. The toxicity of disunity broke our nation. And I just... I'm amazed that God would use something like rugby. I know Americans love their sport, right? And when your nation does something magnificent, it brings you all together. You kind of get over your differences because you have a common victory. 
And what is happening in South Africa at the moment is that you will see wherever you go, whatever color you are, and we are a multiracial nation. It's actually quite difficult for me when I see all the same color here. I'm like, oh, what's going on? It's very strange. And that's why I'm so homesick, because <laughs> it's very diverse. But we are seeing different classes. So whether the poor or rich, whether black or white or Indian, or as we would say in um, South Africa, it's not rude. We say colored. That is um, how people of a hazel complexion demonstrate themselves, and they are proud of it. And so they've been hugging each other. And you find wherever you go in South Africa, all the videos are these people that are coming together because of the common victory. And we, like the South Africans at the moment, also have a common victory. We have a common hope. And I tell you, there's so much more to be unified over. There's so much more to celebrate than we realize. And it's so easy to get stuck in this place where we feel like we're the underdog or we're the in the impossible or that we don't have what it takes, we feel disqualified, or we just feel like we're too far from where we could be in God or where we should be, and we've forgotten what it's like to know victory. But we've also forgotten what it's like to know victory together and to celebrate that, because sometimes we forget. And I just really feel to encourage you today that there is a great and victorious hope. And God spoke to me and he said that he wants to remind you that you are his house. You are his house. And he wants to know if you are okay with him being at home with you. Are you okay being at home with God? Are you okay with being God's home. <laughs> so back to my nation. I am passionate about my nation. And I'm so delighted that God gave them a victory. In this team, is, um, it's a multiracial rugby team. And in this team are people that came from severely impoverished backgrounds. So this team is the first to fully demonstrate and represent our full um, demographic. So we've got black players, colored players. Again, please hear me. That's not a derogatory or rude term in South Africa. It's a very honoring term. And um, you've got white and you've got different languages. We've got, over, we've got 11 official languages in South Africa, and they are all represented in this one rugby team. And the captain of this team is the first black man to represent... South Africa as a captain and he came from what we call a squatter camp maybe you would know it as a favela or a township where you don't have running water you don't have um, toilets you don't have access to electricity dare I say you guys sometimes don't have access to electricity either 
<laughs> as a South African, we are, we've been through that for about 10 years of our power off and going on and off. So I can, I can hear you <laughs> heart to heart. We can connect on something. Um, but this man, well, this young boy was extremely poor. His parents died, or his mom, sorry, his mum died when he was 15. And then his gran who had raised him died when she was 15. And his dad was absent, like many of the, the child-headed families that we have in South Africa. And he used to play rugby in the dirt, no shoes, in the, in the stones. We're talking about areas that are not flourishing and green. And it was that, or stealing, or starving. So he decided to choose what he did have and to focus on what he did have and to focus on the talents and the giftings and to give his joy and his passion to something that made him feel alive. So this man, Sia, um, was raised very poor. He then was identified by someone who gave him an opportunity to a wealthy school, which was difficult for him because he came from nothing and he had to be around people that had so much for some of you as a Christian you can say God I know I've got a lot but look at them look what you're doing for them God they have so much but what do I have and this man here was in a similar position where he could have become bitter he could have become disheartened. He could have given up, but he took what he had. He took a passion and he thought, I'm going to focus, even though I am experiencing lack at the moment because of circumstances, that's real, I'm still going to go with it. And do you know that that man became the captain? And when they won, he knelt down, he honored Jesus with a lot of our rugby players. And he... He said this, and I, I, I paraphrase, but he said this, that our nation needed some hope. Our nation needed something because of everything that it's been going through. And he's like, and I just pray that my life, my story, his testimony, and the story of the South African rugby team who should have been sixth or seventh, and now are the world champions, would bring some hope I want to say to you that there's a foundation of truth that God wants to remind you of today and he wants to encourage you. That he is the foundation of hope. And it's not just a foundation. It's an establishment. You're not just built on Christ, but you're built to be the one who houses Christ. There's a victorious hope in Jesus. It's victorious. It's victorious. And I'm going to read from Hebrews 3. But I'm so excited for what the Holy Spirit is doing, even as you sit here right now. And when we were praying before, I saw this picture of oil that had been struck a drill going down and just oil coming out. Has, has anyone ever seen that, by the way? You've seen that? You've seen that? 
I've seen that with water. And how many of you know that it's not polite? It doesn't come out like... It, there's a force that comes with it. And it shoots up. It's remarkable. And it's often in places that really needed that resource. You have a rich deposit, all of you. Every single one of you. Every one of you has a rich deposit of his truth and his glory and his gifting and his presence. You are the house of God. And he's saying that it's all there. And for some of us, we're like, but we've been looking. God, we've been looking for you. God, our circumstances are different, are difficult. And they're different to other people's as well. We can't compare. But he is asking you to say, Holy Spirit, will you drill down? Will you drill down? Where there's been maybe a layer or a foundation where it's become a bit hard. Say, Holy Spirit, would you drill down and would you strike what is already there? It's a deposit of resurrection life. It's a deposit of joy. It is a deposit of healing. It's his presence. It's his goodness. It's his substance. It's the essence of God that you carry. Holy Spirit, would you strike? Would you strike me? Would you drill down into the depth of my heart? Sometimes we're like trying to look out there or up. And God is like, the door is in the floor. Just surrender. Lie down and, and understand. Understand. It's surrender to what is already taking place in you. What has already been given to you. So let's all stand. I like to be a little bit active. I'm allowed to do this as an African. Africans are a bit different. We also, whenever Africans get in a room, we all come in the middle. So it's very strange for me. We're always on top of each other. It's called Ubuntu. It's being together. Together is better. Okay, so I want you to, let's say, um, you, 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 Feel free, don't have to be under any compulsion, but I encourage you to do so. Let's put up our hands as if we were just receiving, like a funnel. And we just let's all say, Holy Spirit, come drill into the depths of my heart. I give you full permission to explode the deposit in me to come out of me. Let's just say that again. To explode the deposit that is in me to come out of me. Thank you. You guys can sit. Thank you for participating in an African way. (laughs) The truth is you are wealthy. You are rich. You are wealthy. You are so rich. You have abundance. You are sitting on abundance. And it's never ending. It's time for some of you to really know that He in His goodness wants to show you what's inside of you. He loves you. So in Hebrews 3, which is such a remarkable verse, I'm reading from verse 1. To six, And I'm going to read in the different versions. I really appreciate that. I enjoy that because I feel that God brings out nuggets in the different versions. 
I'm going to start in the NIV, and then I'm going to read from um, the Passion Translation. So therefore, this is Hebrews 3 verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Can we just stop there and appreciate that Jesus is on the throne? Isn't that assuring? I I thought again this morning, I'm glad I'm not on my throne. (laughs) I think at some stage I was. It was a bad idea. I'm not a very good king. I'm glad Jesus is on the throne. I'm glad that he is the victory. That is so assuring. And I'm glad that I don't have to be on the throne. I can submit the door, the access is on the floor, meaning sometimes we need to lay down and rest and receive and receive the truth that Jesus is on the throne. And there are things that are maybe they're difficult. There are things that are hard. But what we can do is submit and to surrender to a king that is already victorious. That's a wonderful idea. Verse 2. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son of God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. You know what really excites me? Moses served God's house. That man had face-to-face encounters with God. Moses carried glory, so much glory, that he had to be covered. Otherwise, people, it would probably explode. Moses would meet with God. He would be the guy. They would send him in. And he would go in. I mean, a little bit terrifying. They'd be like, not me, thanks. Not me. Moses, you. You go. (laughs) You go, Moses. So Moses would go in and he would meet with God and he would commune with God. He would experience God. He would know God and then he would come back and then he would share with other people. Moses served God's house, but we in a new covenant are God's house. If Moses, as in 2 Corinthians 2 verse, I think it's 3 says, Moses carried glory, so much glory, that people couldn't look at him. If Moses, and that was when he was serving God's house, he was on the outside. He wasn't under a new covenant. He served by faith. How much more do we have if God is at home in us and we are his house? He has built us. He has designed us. 
with the greatest intention, with the greatest in glory. With the gra- I mean, he is he's delighted to have you as his house. Jesus, the cornerstone. We are one with Jesus. We have been embedded and absorbed and established with Christ by the blood of Jesus. The power of the sacrifice, the perfect blood of Jesus, and in the resurrection life, has made us into a temple, into a house, to carry God. That is outrageous. That is outrageous. Moses, Moses had to cover himself, and he just served God. We now have Jesus. Jesus is faith. Faith is in us. Faith, the person of faith, the glory of God is in us because we are his home. (laughs) Now that is something to party about. I mean, we forget this. This is extraordinary. God says, I'm going to design you. I'm going to design you. I'm going to design you to carry me. That was God's idea. And we are offended by that. we like, but God, especially that person. I don't know. I don't know if they should be God's house. I don't know about that. Okay, that person, that person's definitely God's house because they're super blessed and they've got everything. Therefore, God must love them. Uh you read about some of the disciples and apostles in the early church and hey it wasn't always good in their circumstances you see the building is not the main thing it's the builder you have the builder the building is not the main thing your circumstances some of the things in your life it is not the main thing because when that goes and you guys know what it's like to have had loss I wept over what happened with the fire. I wept for you guys. As a South African, I know what it's like to have loss. I've seen emotional loss. I've seen physical loss. I've seen people without homes. I've seen all of that. I'm telling you, when the, the building goes, or there is, your circumstances get hard. You have the builder. But more importantly, you are the house. Sometimes we forget and we're so focused on what's around God that we miss that we have the builder. We have the builder. Anyone else? We have the builder? I mean, wow. And the builder has the design. And he's designed us with such delight. You see, he's not afraid of our humanity and failing. And weakness. He's not afraid. He's not embarrassed or ashamed of us. He's not wanting to retract himself from us. It's too late. Jesus won a victory for all of us. You see, Jesus won the victory for all of us. Jesus won it. It's, it's the highest performer. The highest performer is Jesus. The highest performer. Not you, Jesus. 
He's the one that qualifies. He's made provision by the blood of the Lamb that we, in our weakness, can come to Him. That we can come with full confidence and we can say, God, we want you. We want the builder. And we want to thank you that we have the victory of carrying you as home in us. You are not bound by a building. You're not bound what you do have or what you don't have. Trust me, I've been around the world in the poorest circumstances, in places where people have suffered the greatest trauma. Central Africa, I've been in war zones. I am telling you that you have the builder and that is worth more than anything. But you also need to realize that you are, you are the home of Christ. You are the one that carries something beautiful for this world, for your neighbor, for your family. Oh, I'm getting warm. I get so excited. You guys need to give me some South African. You need to make me feel like I'm home. Come on, guys. You don't just sit there when you recognize we have something so incredible, so victorious. Oh, my goodness. What do you have? You've got the builder. You've got the designer. You were not made to fail and to be flawed and to, be, to feel like you're always going to be wounded and broken. That is the devil. He hates us because we are the full image of Christ, male and female. We're the full demonstration of his personality and his heart. Do you know that God likes you? He's made you different so you could, you could even start to begin to represent his heart. Because his heart is so deep and diverse and magnificent. He is tremendous and glorious. It takes billions of us even to slightly comprehend just how brilliant he is. Isn't that extraordinary? You are the house of God. He wants to be at home in you. But you sometimes put layers of unbelief soil. You cover up truth and deposits of his glory and his goodness. We cover it up. It says in Hebrews later on in 3, that out of um, sins, deceitfulness, our shame and guilt and criticism and bitterness and condemnation, it blocks it up. It's there though. The oil of his goodness, the oil of his joy, the oil of his healing, it's there. It's in you. It's the foundation of your house. And the Holy Spirit is like, okay, you're being deceived by the enemy. You're being deceived by lies. Your mind is carrying these lies about who God is and who you are. And you haven't realized it. And it stopped up something. But it's there. So we just say, Holy Spirit. Oh, we have this incredible victory. And again, I just want to repeat this. That sometimes, and I get this because I have seen stuff. I've walked through things that are disappointing. I've walked through great pain and loss and suffering in my nation, in the nations of the world. I'm not afraid that things don't always go perfectly. Because I know, I know that the enemy is real. And he wants to kill and destroy. I've seen that with my own eyes. It's very clear to me what is God and what is not God. And I hope it's clear to you. You don't normalize things that are actually not of God. Don't normalize it. Don't normalize it. But I get sometimes it's not all roses. 
I get that. And I have great compassion. I really do. I have compassion because I feel God's compassion and mercy. But I also understand free choice. That that is such a gift to us. Because that's God's full demonstration of love. That he would make us his home, but knowing that we have free choice. So we can turn from him. We can hurt him. Even though he gives us everything. We can abandon him. We can sabotage things. We can be in rebellion. We can choose to deny him. And he doesn't leave. You know that. So when you sin and you do stuff, that hurts him. But more importantly, that hurts you. You know, God is interested in things that hurt you. He actually cares that you're hurting yourself. He doesn't leave when you're in sin. But you have to deny him in that moment. Because he's not going. You're going. You're trying to go from him. But he's with you. He's like, uh, by the way, I'm right with you as you're watching pornography and as you're being selfish and as you're gossiping. I'm here. But you have a free choice, and he honors that because he is so gracious and loving. Wow, what a God. What a God. He gives us everything. Then you would think, okay, like, well, I've given you everything, so now I'm going to control you and you play by my rules because if you're going to be my house, under my house, my rules, we think God's like that. No, you see, no. He's actually profoundly gracious. And humble. And we see that in the demonstration of Jesus. This is wild. But he says, have everything. Have everything. Oh, and you may stuff it up. And if you do, if you mess up, the blood of Jesus will cover you. Because I'm more interested in you knowing what it's like to live in victory and hope. And with my voice, and with my truth, I'm more interested in you knowing that, that the cross demonstrated your value. The cross demonstrated your value. Wow. Oh, so Hebrews 3. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. He is the cornerstone. And we are his house if we indeed, we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Who knows that sometimes hopelessness is the bigger issue, not our circumstances. We've lost hope. But that comes from forgetting what's inside of us. In the Passion Translation, I just want to read the same verse. Because I think there are different nuggets here. And so, dear brothers, you are now made holy. And each of you is invited to the feast of your heavenly calling. The feast of being divinely loved. The feast of being in communion with God, being restored It's a feast with God. It's like striking the oil and it coming up. I am telling you, if you have been in a war-torn area where there's been no clean water and water is struck or you've been in an impoverished area and oil is struck, you are going to run around that fountain. You are going to get as greasy or as wet as you could possibly get. You are not going to be like, oh, look, there's oil. Oh, look, there's water. 
I'm going to carry on with my dull life that has no oil or water. No! You're going to be like, dancing, dancing. Yes! You have full permission. You have full permission. So fasten your thoughts fully onto Jesus, whom we embrace as our apostle and king priest. He understands our weakness. Jesus lived as us as a demonstration that he fully understands. He fully grasps the things that we go through. Betrayal, disappointment, joy, friendship. Oh, you name it. Jesus went through it. He died as us and rose again so that also we would know that we could be Jesus to this world. If Jesus had stayed, we would not be able to have a new covenant where we become the temple. You see, Holy Spirit then came into us so we could be a powerful, a powerful demonstration that we could be the strategy of victory in this world. Yay, God! Feel free to get up and dance. Everyone has full permission to be a bit African. <laughs> For he was faithful to the Father who appointed him in the same way that Moses was a model of faithfulness in what was entrusted to him. But Jesus is worthy to receive a much greater glory than Moses. For the one who builds a house deserves to be honored more than the house he built. Sometimes we're trying to look at the hand of God instead of the heart of God. Sometimes we know a lot about God, but we don't really know Him. Sometimes we don't need to kind of know more. We just need to expect more from what we know. Every house is built by someone, but God is the designer and builder of all things. All victory is His, because He created it all. Nothing stands against God. And you carry God? You carry the authority of the designer and the builder? This is too much. Indeed, Moses served God faithfully in all he gave him to do. His work prophetically illustrates things that would later be spoken and fulfilled. But Christ is more than a servant. He was faithful as the son in charge of God's house. As a house, you are the son, you are the establishment because Jesus is the cornerstone and you are embedded and infused with Christ. Wow. Wow. Moses served the house. Jesus was the servant, but because of the resurrection, he became a son and made us sons and daughters. It's <laughs> wonderful. And now we are part of his house if we continue courageously to hold firmly to our bold confidence and victorious hope. Our oh, Holy Spirit, I know that there's a deposit of healing and hope and peace and joy. There's a deposit. There's a deposit that is almighty. There's a deposit of freedom. 
and the authority of Jesus, the designer and the builder, the authority of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the resurrection life of Jesus that has overcome. All power belongs to Jesus and nothing can stand against the power of Jesus. And right now I just speak to every mind, every mind that has been held by the deceptive philosophy that God is somewhere on the outside or some distant God or some cruel God or some um, hopeless or weak God. I say that that is not the truth and that is not the kingdom of heaven but the kingdom of heaven is within you and the kingdom of heaven is within you because of the blood sacrifice the perfection of Christ because Christ is the cornerstone and he has established his presence within you and everything that has tried to attach to people that is not of God it goes now by the power of Jesus the angelic hosts are here because they love the name of Jesus. And I thank you for the angelic hosts that go with you even as you leave here to remind you of the truth that you are born, that you are born of God, you are born of victory, that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There is nothing that can influence you in any way. There is nothing. There is nothing. Because God has accomplished it. The power of Jesus. Do you know that when I was in the Democratic Republic of Congo, so that's a place that has been in war for many years, over 25 years of brutality. And no, that's not because the Africans are barbaric and they don't know any different. It's because there have been minerals And because of imperialism and colonialism and because of greed of corporates that's actually driven these people to compromise even loving each other. Do you know that the enemy will do that? He will make people turn on themselves and on their family and on communities. He does that. And these beautiful Congolese people, they only want peace. But they were thrown into this greed and this demand. And, and, And war ensued because... Money can corrupt. And you know that when I was there, I lived in a village called a red zone where people would most nights run for their lives as rebel soldiers would come in. And those rebel soldiers were paid often by big corporates, your cell phones even. I just want you to know that. Sometimes we have a perception of what is God and what is not God. And, you know, it must be something wrong with those people. And and, and the truth is that in this place, They were just pawns on a chessboard by the devil. God showed me the justice of his heart. He showed me this chessboard. And I said, God, what's happening? And he showed me all these different players. And he showed me this dark hand just moving these people around. And I worked with the victims in the hospitals. I worked with the victims in the villages. And it was brutality to the absolute max. I have seen evil. I have seen things that I would never repeat. But God also showed me the perpetrators and he showed me his heart for them. Because he showed me that they are just pawns in this system where they're being pushed around by greed. They haven't even understood. 
sometimes we don't even know what we are under, but we feel like we're getting moved around by things. Division and gossip and selfishness or heaviness or depression. We're getting moved around by things. And I'm telling you, that's not God moving you. That's not someone else pushing that on you. And often it is the wounding of someone else. These children grew up in a place where they didn't have access to God, where they got guns shoved in their laps when they were five years old, where, you know, and that's what they knew. And God showed me this chessboard and I said, God, but what do you think about it? And I saw this mighty hand come and he just smashed this chessboard. He said, I will not allow the enemy to checkmate anyone. And I'm telling you, some of you feel like you have been checkmated by the enemy. No, it's the blood of Jesus that sets you free. It's the justice and the mercy of God. It's the victory and the hope of Christ, but it also dwells within you. And it's up to you to say, I take authority over that. I take authority over that. You don't have to be a pawn on a chessboard to the enemy. I take authority over everything that that came and robbed you and stole from you. God can heal those things. You don't have to continue to be pushed around. And while I was in DRC, God gave me the most incredible experience of my life and I do apologize if people are sensitive but I think it's the point of the story that is so important I went into a hospital ward where most of the women um, they have their legs broken they are brutally hurt because uh, women are raped there as an act of war, it's an act of violence I saw children with wounds in their back where they had had machetes and pangas thrown at them I I saw things that are so horrific where you would think, but surely you should question the goodness of God and the power of Jesus. No, it just made me question, where are the Christians? It just made me question, how is it possible that we can perpetuate this greed and not see how this impacts people in other parts of the world, you know? And in this ward, I felt the Lord say, I want you to go kiss the woman with the veil. And I thought, God, I don't see anyone. And then I said to one of my friends, and I said, "Um, do you know of anyone here that has a veil? Oh, and she said, yes. We heard about her last week. I said, okay. So can I meet her? And she looked at me and she kind of hesitated. She said, okay. And a nurse a helper, a volunteer, took me to this back room. It was very dark. <clears throat> and there was a woman with um, a piece of cloth over her face. And as I entered, I said, Hello, I've come. Um, I believe God wants you to know that he loves you. And I heard gentle weeps and her shoulders started to move. And God says, I want you to kiss her lips. And I said, Okay, God. I lifted up the veil, and what I saw was probably the most horrific thing I've ever seen. I've seen a lot of things. But um, she was so brutalized that they cut off parts of her body, in particular her lips. And um, the wound was full of sores and, and pus and deeply infected, and her eyes were so swollen from weeping. And remember, God had given me this revelation that some of those rebel soldiers that did that to her were just as much victims, pawns in the hands of the enemy. 
And so I could feel the heart of justice that that person that did that to her was under a different compulsion. I remember thinking, God. So I kissed her against everyone's advice. And I just started kissing her and kissing her. And I just said, I know, I know that God loves you. And I'm sorry for what happened. But I speak his redemptive kindness over you. And more tears kind of snuck out. And you know that joy started to come in that awful situation. The presence of God started to bubble up out of me. And I could feel the healing grace and the restoration of Christ in that room in the most devastating circumstance. Some of you have experienced devastation and it's looked different. Some of it has been devastation on the inside. Some of it has been radical disappointment. I get that. But I'm telling you, God is coming with a kiss right onto your wound. He's coming right with a kiss and his grace and his mercy and his tenderness and his power. Because he is a restorer. He is a restorer. And months later is so extraordinary they took a photo of this woman and her lips had healed well she actually doesn't have lips but the extraordinary thing is when her skin healed it formed like these lumps that look like lips which is so phenomenal and her face was just beaming her eyes were open and God had done something so profound in her heart because she had been in that back room saying God you have completely abandoned me You have completely forgotten me. God, there's no way that you love me. And I'm so unattractive. And how will I ever face society again? And who comes in? Me. Hello. I don't know. I don't know anything. God just said, there's a woman with a veil. I'm telling you, God is here and he's saying, I want to lift that veil. I want to lift that veil. You are my design. You are my design. You are my house. I want to be at home with you. I want to heal you. I want to kiss that place that has been wounded. I want to kiss that place where someone has, has, has betrayed you, whatever it is. Because he is victory. He is hope. And you can have the builder. You can have the builder. And yes, the enemy tried to destroy that building, that house. But God still was able to meet her as home and her peace and her deliverer. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. And you know that even those rebel soldiers, God is going after. Because they have been a pawn to the enemy as well. They have been used by the enemy. I want to tell you, you have a victorious hope. You are his home. You are his house. You are the church. You are the temple. You are the indwelling. And there's a truth the Holy Spirit is just digging into right now. And the oil of joy and the oil of healing is coming out. Not only in your own lives, but in this church. And in this community, you have the builder. You have the builder 
you have the designer. And I know that story may seem heavy, but I believe that God is using that story because some of you understand. You understand and you connect with that. So I just want to bless you. I want to. I want to thank you for listening to what I have to say. I want to. I just want to honour this this place for what God has done here. But I know that there's new oil. There's new oil for you, and that starts with what's inside. I bless you guys. I bless you as a victorious South African, as a rugby cup winning nation. (laughs) But I bless you as a woman of faith. And I bless you to hear God's words over you and to hear truth and not be bound by lies anymore. You have more of a common interest than you know. It's a victorious hope. Keep it that way. The other stuff is boring. The other stuff is blocking up your wealth. 